Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, your favorite nurse. And we're going to talk about thyroid this week. And the reason why we're going to talk about thyroid is because all of you know about the thyroid. Why does everyone know about the thyroid? Because it's similar to why everyone knows about your cholesterol, because they can throw a medication at it. And we were talking about statistics. Now, Lauren, let's just let's just go statistics right off the bat, Lauren. How many times a year, how many people were prescribed Synthroid? It says a hundred million people were prescribed Synthroid. A hundred million. That but, is insane. Well, and that doesn't include all the people who were denied thyroid support because their lab markers were not out of range, which yeah. the conventional lab ranges for th hypo for thyroid are for a lot of things, not just thyroid are really off. Yep. And this is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later when we dive into some of the labs, but you can have a TSH of nine and be told your thyroid is fine. When optimal range for the for the TSH is typically like 1.5 to three, maybe 1.5 to two. So somewhere in there, you don't yep. want it up by seven, eight or nine, but even then a lot of conventional medicine providers will just take a TSH and they won't check a free T3 or a free T4. If you can't convert the, the inactive thyroid hormone T4 to active T3, even if you have, even if you have a normal TSH, if you are not, if you don't have enough T3, you are not going to feel good and you're going to have all the symptoms of hypothyroidism. Yep. And the reason why the thyroid is so important, it is part of the endocrine system. The endocrine system is basically the communication system of your body. It transmits hormones and the thyroid is special in the way that every single one of your cells of your body has a thyroid receptor. So anytime that the thyroid is off, every cell in your body will be affected, which makes you feel crummy. Now, here's the biggest issue though, is in my eight years of treating patients, I've got, I've had my hands on thousands of people. I don't remember the last time that I found someone to have a thyroid being the priority and the primary organ. It's, it was always, and always still has been in my experience, a secondary issue behind a detoxification issue and your thyroid there's obviously thyroid hormone that is t4 as lauren just said it goes from t4 to active t3 so your t3 is your active thyroid hormone but that conversion 80 percent of it happens in the liver and 20 percent of it happens in the kidneys and what are those those are detoxification organs they're excretion organs and we live in such a toxic fishbowl that you're seeing thyroid quote unquote issues because what it's really doing is telling you how sick our environment is. And I was telling Lauren how what I always say is the thyroid always takes the beating, but it's never usually the cause. It's never the root cause. It is still a symptom. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, think about what you said about liver. So how many people, how many, especially women, this happens a lot more to women. How many women do you know that get hangry all the time that have low oh, yeah. vitamin D have allergies have, um, you talk, you talk about hangry. Would I be in trouble if I say every woman I've ever met is hangry? Right. 
Well, some of that's some blood sugar dysregulation, but that still goes back to the th- to the liver. It 100%. all goes back to the liver. And yep. so if you think about it, even if you don't have a super high, or if you're, if you're not being treated for hypothyroidism uh, and you don't feel like you have a full-blown hypothyroidism, if you're having some of those symptoms of liver congestion, eventually it could lead to hypothyroidism if we don't start getting the liver draining. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, I always say that it's either a detoxification issue or an autoimmune issue. Cause a lot of thyroid issues are actually Hashimoto's that don't get discovered because to your point, they don't run full thyroid panels. They just look at TSH. And for people who are listening, TSH is a thyroid stimulating hormone and it is not secreted by the thyroid. It's actually secreted by your pituitary gland in your brain. And so if you're looking just at TSH, in my opinion, it's more of a pituitary marker. And that is usually an adrenal stress hormone issue, which we've covered in our hormone um, uh, podcast. I covered it in my hormone video last night in the membership. Uh, And unfortunately, people, docs who are not educated in functional medicine go straight off TSH and it is a poor plan. It is not a good plan to do so. And that's why so many people are told your labs are normal and they are totally unseen and unheard and they are dismissed by their provider and they put them on anxiety medicine or Mm -hmm. they tell them to, you know, like, it's just, it's not a way to treat people. No, you go down the rabbit hole real easy. Yeah. You go down the rabbit hole real easy. It's slippery slope when it comes to that. And so here's the issue, folks. We just said that most practitioners just look at TSH. Well, then there's other practitioners who just look at reference rate, uh, reference range blood values, which is also a disservice because that's when you will get people who go to the doctor, they feel awful, they will run a, a blood test. All the blood uh, markers are basically a reference range that is comparing you to the sickest of the sick. And your numbers look good, but you feel like trash. And now that's where Western medicine does a disservice because they can't fix what they can't find and their fix, their, their solutions are symptom management, never root cause ever. And, uh, the thyroid is a big, um, a big example of this because we're always told, well, it's either, you know, maybe it's your cholesterol, maybe it's your thyroid. You, you hear it all the time and you never hear, maybe it's your diet. Maybe it is the glyphosate that is affecting your methylation. And now your methylation can't produce hormones for you and your liver's clogged. There goes your thyroid hormone. Now every organ and cell in your body is affected. Maybe you have too much estrogen because your liver isn't detoxing properly and your gut's all messed up. And now that estrogen is going to stop the conversion of your thyroid hormone. Now every cell again is affected. I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but this is like... Doctors should learn this in week one of med school and they just don't know that how estrogen is related to your liver. How do they not realize that? I mean, many doctors will still even give oral estrogen to patients at high risk for cancer and knowing that you should never give oral estrogen that will for sure break that that is processed in the liver. And that will definitely increase your risk for hormonal related cancer. Yep. That's going to increase your estrone, which is the cancer that is very, very, very has an affinity for your uterus and breast tissue, uh, and will cause cancer over time. It's just shocking that they don't, that they're not taught that. And I can attest to that. They are not taught that. And they don't even know that it's an issue. It's scary because you are supposed to trust these people. You know, they went to the prestigious med school and they have 12 years of experience with all this stuff. 
and they're just taught stuff that makes you sick over time because it's not it's the wrong treatment over time leads to chronic issues. And, and I'm not saying I, I, I do want to say here, I, I we're not attacking acute care like it's emergency, like you got a car accident and there's an stop the bleeding type stuff. I'm definitely not talking about that. That is different than wellness care and, and care for your health versus sick care. So absolutely. Absolutely. If, if I have a broken arm, I'm not going to a functional med practitioner. I am going to a trauma doc, right? I'm going to go see an orthopedic doctor. Like this is, yeah, I have no qualms about that. So that is something that I do want to make sure we, we say here. Yeah. And, And that's a good point. And so let's, um, let's talk about what affects the thyroid though. You know, we, we just talked estrogen dominance. Many people have heard us preach about estrogen dominance and how it's just everywhere. Uh, what's some other stuff in our environment and some other patterns that uh, that we should tell the people affect thyroid health? So for one, fluoride. So fluoride is in 75% of the water in the U.S. And it's probably more than that now. I Honestly, that, that number is a few years old. And so they are, you know, every year you have uh, states and counties being like petitioned to add fluoride to their water and they get money if they do it. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be increasing how many people have fluoridated water, but in areas, and this is from the thyroid magazine or thyroid organization, it's thyroid.org. And it is, it says that in places where we fluoridate our water, hypothyroidism rates are double, double, but that doesn't actually, you know, compute to changing the guidelines or changing the floor, you know, if we fluoridate our water, cause that never will happen. They've, yeah. they, they could never admit that that was an issue because they would have so many people upset or lawsuits or different things. And so fluoride is an issue. It is not an, an essential nutrient for your teeth. I was um, say, but I thought it helps my teeth. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does <laughs> technically it does help prevent cavities, but it's not an essential nutrient for your teeth. What also helps prevent cavities is hydroxyapatite. That's not antithyroid and it's not anti-IQ and anti-pineal gland and all these things that you, that fluoride wrecks. And so if you can, and you are, have any concern, if you have any health concerns at all, I would filter your water and make sure you're using a fluoride free toothpaste. Yeah. Those, that is two great action steps. Um, a lot, I know antibodies decrease with that. I've just by, just by filtering your water and using a fluoride free toothpaste, which I do recommend the hydroxyapatite because I, I do think cavity prevention is needed in today's world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've seen ca- antibodies really lower, even just with, with those, with that, with that change. And then the next change I would say is gluten. And so why mm-hmm. does gluten affect the thyroid? Well, the chemical structure of gluten that, because what it is now is so close to human protein that it's just far enough away that the immune system reacts to it. And it has a big affinity for two organs that I have found clinically, thyroid and cerebellum, which is your balance uh, part of your brain. Uh, And one other thing that gluten does is even if you are not sensitive, which I think most people are sensitive, I think people don't do well with it. Uh, but if you eat gluten and you don't get a stomach ache or you don't, you know, get a headache or you don't get an obvious symptom, it could be anxiety still, or depression, by the way, it's not just a, a stomach symptom. There's so many symptoms of gluten intolerance. There are so many symptoms. And one thing that it will do for everybody is it will reduce, uh, something called, um, 
Well, I, I tripped over on this last night again, because I always want to say side design because side design is supplement, like certain supplements. Um, but the P450 enzyme, cytochrome P450. Cytochrome. <laughs> yeah. Cytochrome P450 in the liver, which helps you um, phase one, phase two detox, especially phase yeah. two detox, gluten turns that enzyme down. And so now your liver is not going to be able to detox properly. And it's definitely not going to prioritize your thyroid. And so now your thyroid, 80% of the conversion of the hormone happens in your liver and your liver is going to be clogged and not working um, efficiently because you are lowering that P450 through gluten. Yeah. And, and so it's just, it's better to stay off gluten. And, and you know, what's even funnier. I don't want to say funnier, but I said it is Lauren said there was a hundred million uh, prescriptions for Synthroid. Synthroid has gluten in it. It's crazy. But, and just so, a, a side note, Synthroid is act is um, synthetic T4, which yes. if you don't, if in your liver, in your kidneys, you don't convert T4 to T3, then that's why you won't feel better on Synthroid. So yep. many people feel no difference on Synthroid. And that is why it's not a thyroid issue. It is a conversion issue. Absolutely. And here's a couple of clinical pearls for the folks listening at home. Um, people who have cold hands and cold feet is a lot of times a conversion issue that is affecting your thyroid hormone. And for weight distribution, uh, people who gain fat all over their body is a thyroid pattern. People who are pear-shaped are an estrogen pattern and people who are apple-shaped are a cortisol insulin pattern. So if you are gaining fat deposits all over your body, not just in one area, chances are it's a thyroid, uh, a thyroid conversion issue as well. Mm, yep. That's true. Um, all right. And about the thyroid conversion, yeah. what else will impact that stress? Yeah. Cause if you have stress in the presence of high cortisol, you turn down your thyroid hormone conversion as well. And what does it also do? It, it stops your pituitary from uh, releasing TSH. So, so many times I've seen blood work where it says that you're hypothyroid, but your TSH is also low, which is not what they tell you. They say, if your TSH is low, it's hyperthyroid. If it's high, then you have a low thyroid. I've seen that pattern so many times where it is low TSH, low T4, low T3, it's cortisol and liver detoxification issues and gut issues all the okay. time, every time. And a thyroid med, it might help short term or mm -hmm. thyroid glandulars. It might help short term, but it, it's not going to like, it's not going to eventually help as much. And you're going to end up coming back and saying, okay, what do I need to fix? Correct. Um, it, it's just, it's just, it's still going to be the elephant in the room. It's going to be sitting there and it's going to be waiting for you to address it. And so, you know, like, like, so we can organize our thoughts, fluoride, gluten, stress. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. else is that? Uh, in my clinical experience, uh, viral issues significantly affect the thyroid. If you have thyroid nodules, um, I always find it's an Epstein-Barr type issue. Yep. And so uh, viruses. Epstein-Barr yeah, is a really common thing, right? Extremely. So extremely. why would some people struggle with thyroid issues and Epstein-Barr being that, you know, one of those causes? Mm -hmm. Why would some people struggle with it and other people wouldn't? because it depends on your cortisol levels too. And so it depends on two things. One, if you have chronic parasites, it will hold uh, in that virus. Yeah. But two is in the presence of your prolonged stress hormone over time, that stress hormone will go down because it'll stop producing it like cortisol sensitivity. You know, instead of insulin sensitivity, you can think of cortisol sensitivity. And when cortisol is low, 
your immune system crashes and viruses come out from to the surface. And here's another clinical pearl is what's used to make cortisol, vitamin C. And so you deplete all of your vitamin C stores and viruses cannot do well in the presence of vitamin C. It's clinical. I'm just throwing out clinical pearls left and right tonight on this one. Um, uh, another thing you and I were talking about prior to jumping on here, people not speaking their truth, not able to express yeah. themselves. You know, you have your thyroid chakra, you have all these energetic meridians that emotions play a huge role, absolute look, huge role. And look at the liver liver is anger and holding an anger and, and resentment. Yeah. And it, and if that is congested, that can impact it too. And so all of these, all of these organs are r- related and connected and the emotions are definitely connected into each one of these. I I uh, have a bunch of things running through my head on clinical pearls. So I'm just going to fire another one. Okay. Let's see it. Let's hear so it. So my biggest mentor, Dr. Versendahl, who created Vervita, he created contact reflex analysis. He would preach that the thyroid is the um, mother of all happiness. That's what he would say. And so he had this very healer doctor attitude about him. He had a personality larger than life. And I have a little more of a functional medicine mind. So I would always try to decipher how is this possible? How does he know this? What's the mechanism behind it? That just for my own personal research. And it makes sense because what carries thyroid hormone? Tyrosine. What does tyrosine do? Tyrosine creates dopamine. And dopamine is your reward um, neurotransmitter. It's your happiness. And so where does tyrosine come from? Not a vegan diet. It nope. comes from meat and animal protein. Yep. And so many women are just don't eat a lot of meat. And I, I, I actually yep. can relate to this. I fell into this trap. I felt like I felt better with less red meat and less um, just meat in general um, years ago. And of course, fell into hypothyroidism several years ago after yep. a period of stress. And um, I, I just want to say that meat is important. If you don't feel well, like if you're not digesting meat well, like if say you don't have enough stomach acid, then yep. you might not feel great eating red meat. But if we work on that, then you'll feel better and you'll Absolutely. be able to actually tolerate it and absorb it. And you'll, you will notice a difference in your thyroid function that leads us into what we're going to be talking about next week on our next podcast. And that is animal meat versus vegan. Like what are the nutrients? Why is this important? And what to think about? Um, and some of the arguments for and against. And so yeah, that's going to be a really fun podcast. We're going to have yeah. a good time with that one. Um, another thing, what else, uh, helps the conversion of thyroid hormone and carry it is selenium. Well, Dr. Charlie, what is the main nutrient, uh, besides vitamin C that you mentioned that helps viruses helps keep them down selenium. And so I think that's the reason why I find viruses are so common to attack the thyroid because in the presence of low selenium, viruses can really do whatever they want. And if there's no selenium, then one of the main organs besides the liver that gets affected is the thyroid. Uh, we Everyone knows iodine. You know, iodine is what creates T4. So tyrosine and selenium are the amino acid and the mineral that helps the conversion from T4 to T3. But if you don't have enough T4, you are iodine deficient. Now, I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, well, what if I have Hashimoto's? 
And I have found iodine to make Hashimoto's worse in some patients and better in other patients. And so what I say is this is the importance of finding someone, a frequency functional med practitioner in your area who can test you specifically. Yeah. Cause iodine can be a really great thing for, oh, for yeah. hypothyroidism and for anyone who has cysts or nodules, yeah. like iodine deficiency is a real issue and it, it definitely deserves to be addressed if it needs to be. But with Hashi, you can bark up the wrong tree and that can cause the thyroid antibodies to go haywire. It can yep. cause you to feel worse. And so we don't want that to happen. And so definitely getting tested, um, sometimes getting a urine test, sometimes, getting, um, blood work, um, and, or checking with muscle testing. And that would be the best thing. Absolutely. And so, uh, here's another clinical pearl about iodine. If you wake up in the morning and you have crusties in your eyes, that's a sign of iodine deficiency. It's a big clinical pearl folks. There we go. Just like firing them off tonight. I didn't even know this was coming out. You are while we are talking about, or we're talking about eating just a minute ago, I wanted to mention intermittent fasting. So uh, that is something one. that I think a lot of, um, a lot of people fall into and they, they get told that this is a really good thing for your hormones and, or for your weight and for your insulin resistance and all these things. But if for a lot of women, it can actually be very harmful, especially mm-hmm. menstruating women. Um, that is something that it, it can just cause your, your cortisol to spike, um, and you, your blood sugar drops and that's just, it's not a good situation. And then you end up with hypothyroidism resulting. I couldn't have said it better myself. That is, uh, you know, so many people ask me, well, what about intermittent fasting? The only people that I've ever seen intermittent fasting do well for is diabetics. Or do you think men do better? I feel like men possibly, I, you know, it's, it's tough because I like, it might just be my patient population, but so many of my patients have blood sugar dysregulation issues and mostly hypoglycemia, like low blood sugar. Which I think mean it, like you're actually like, like having to go to the hospital. What he means by that is like, it's where it's just dropping and you're feeling a little nauseous or it's going yeah. up and down and it's big, it's big waves or big jumps. You don't want that big. You want it to be even and, and steady throughout the day. If you get hangry, you're hypoglycemic. Yeah. And you don't, and you're not like hospital hypoglycemic. You're reactive hypoglycemic. You are functional hypoglycemic, if you will. But here's what happens with hypo with uh, hypoglycemia is your body has to raise your blood sugar, right? And if you're not feeding it, then what does it do? It secretes adrenaline and cortisol to tell your pancreas to secrete glucagon, which then tells the liver to dump sugar into your blood. So now you have this survival mechanism and the liver, again, we keep going back to liver is under stress because it has to go into survival mode. Now your thyroid ain't going to work because the the liver will never prioritize the thyroid over keeping your cortisol and blood sugar in check. Yeah. I will tell you guys, I fell into this, um, myself all like six years ago, starting my natural journey, wanting to get off medicine, thinking I could heal my acid reflux with fasting. And I fasted even up to 36 hours Mm. and it, it did it soon after that, a year later, that's when my hormones went haywire. And the, then after that is when I got hypothyroidism and couldn't finish my sentences for a time because I was so low, my T3 was so low. Mm. So that is something that, and yes, I had to go on. I know I'll get asked. I, I, I had to go on a thyroid. I did a desiccated thyroid. I did NP thyroid. 
And I think that's fine. Dr. Charlie, you said that one is the one that has tested the best. Yeah. When I was in California, I was with some naturopaths who had access to it. And that was the one that tested the best um, patients. Good. And, I, and I'm not opposed to that. I act, you know, I don't think that's a, that's a shameful thing that you're up to be on a pharmaceutical. I do think that um, the longer you're on it, the harder it is to get off. And I've seen totally. that. Um, I was able to get off of it. I did end up going to like a glandular, which um, Dr. Charlie was saying he uses Regenerzyme glandular or Regenerzyme yep. thyroid. Thyroid, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that is something that I I definitely think going to a glandular and then you know kind of seeing where you're at. Um, yep. There's a lot to getting off of thyroid medicine that's not going to be like necessarily covered in a podcast because you got to look at chronic virus, you got to look at eating yeah. habits, like all these things that we've mentioned. Um, we haven't mentioned adrenals. What are you, how, how does that affect thyroid? I think that the adrenals are the issue and the thyroid takes the blame. Yes. Yes. And that was it. That was a lot of it for me too, for a time. Yeah. Yep. Because think about as a species, we live in a stressful environment. Mm -hmm. Even if, even if we're, our water's filtered, our air is filtered, we eat a clean diet, we exercise. If there's mental stress in your life, whether you're not happy at home, work, family, you watch the news, you know, you see what's going on in the White House, whatever your stress is, that's going graphic. I mean, it could be anything, it could be anything. It could be, it can be someone cuts you off in, in the street and now you have road rage yeah. that secretes cortisol and sh that stress hormone will dictate how your endocrine system works 100% of the time. And so, however, we talk about root causes. And so one of the biggest things that, you know, I'll mention in the membership is try to think differently. Cortisol may be the, the cause of it, but it's not the root cause because we have to find out what's changing your cortisol pattern. If it's emotional stress, find ways to decompress, whether it's meditation, prayer, um, NET, essential oils, whatever works for you. Yeah. I mean, guys, I, I threw on some essential oils before I came down here because it really helps my focus. It helps me when I'm anxious. And so that is one thing to think about are essential oils, prayer. I mean, turning on music, I that is one thing going outside and sitting on the grass. Yes, grounding. Um, like that is something that um, you really, you think that it's a small thing, but they are big things that really add up and make a difference. Absolutely. And you know, everyone who listens to me, whether it's here, if it's on social media, if it's on in the membership, I preach infections, subclinical infections, because what in your body has to fight off these infections all day long, cortisol. And when you can get rid of that, you take the stress off the uh, endocrine system, off the adrenals, things work better. That's why so many people notice that their labs get better when you go after parasites and viruses and fungus, things like heavy metals, things like chemical toxicity, glyphosate, fluoride that we've talked about. When you, when you help the body detox more efficiently, whatever that means to you, everything falls in place. Definitely. 100%. Parasites were, was one of my root causes. Um, yeah. it, it is in yeast. There's all of these things matter. You have to go, typically you start with parasites. That is the one that, you know, that typically you do need to address first. And that holds in viruses, it holds in heavy metals, which we yeah. haven't talked about heavy metals yet with the thyroid. We do have a previous episode on um, EMFs and thyroid. Um, and so it's something to think about and go back and listen to on that episode, but metals affect thyroid too. And what, how are we exposed to metals once again? <laughs> Huh. How are uh, we maybe um 
injecting them into the blood of our youth. Yes. Yeah. Blue shots every studies. year. And if, if you're wondering, there are studies to prove this, like yeah. mercury <laughs> and aluminum affecting the thyroid. Um, yeah. We know aluminum comes in multiple different ways. And then vaccines definitely come through. Uh, fillings, you know, mercury yeah. fillings. Yeah. Albums. That is, and that's something that like, there are, I saw something the other day where a child had six mercury fillings and it made oh, my heart hurt. It made my heart. Cause I just, wh what type, what, what type of health issues is that, is that setting up that child for now? I'm not saying to go get those mercury fillings removed because you need to go right. see a biologic dentist and yeah, do it the right then, way. Even then it can be stressful for the body. And so you may not even want to do it in, until the body is in a really good place. Yep. Um, and that then you go on and do it. So don't just go run to take them out because you could end up with mercury poisoning from a conventional dentist and you don't want that. Yeah. You, a good thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing, folks. You want the right thing at the right time. Right. So, okay. So let's, now we've talked, uh, we've scared them half to death on everything that's killing our thyroids. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we can do about that. So we already mentioned, you know, if you're here, I'll go over the basic lab values. Let's yeah, do that. Right. Okay. So TSH, which everyone will know my lab values are 1.8 to three. That's where I like them. Uh, sometimes people do well from one to three, you yeah. know, it, uh, you got to also go off the person. Everyone's a little different, but I would say, call it in the middle 1.5 to three. Yeah. That's typical. If you, if it is above three, they will say you have low thyroid. If it is below 1.5, they'll say that you have, um, uh, hyperthyroid. Now these are functional ranges. So when you look at your labs, it's going to be a much broader range because That'll they're be not looking at it functionally. Yeah. They won't do anything until 10 for uh, hypothyroidism. Now for T4, which remember has to be converted to T3, T4 should be between six and 12. Free T4 has to be between one and 1.5. Now here's the active hormone. T3 needs to be between 100 and 180. Free T3 has to be between three and four. So if your T4 is low, is below a six, or your free T4 is below a one, you need iodine. If your T3 is low, so below 100, or your free T3 is below three, you need to figure out why you're not converting. So tyrosine and selenium are the classic uh, need, basically. But if you have too much cortisol, it's going to shut it down. If your liver's toxic, it's going to shut it down too. So we have to look at a bird's eye view and not get so wrapped up on, oh, take this nutrition to change that. Um, TPO antibodies below 34, anything above, they'll say it would be Hashimoto's. Uh, and then here's two that I wrote down that not many people talk about. One is called reverse T3. Now, the range is between 9.2 and 24. If that is off, it is a cortisol issue. And the next one is called T3 reuptake. It should be between 28 and 38. If it is outside of those parameters, it is an estrogen dominance issue. That's why it's important to do a full thyroid panel because so much can be told by other things than just TSH. Yeah. And the funny thing is that you can even have a patient with a complete autoimmune diagnosis, whether it be Graves or high or high or a uh, Hashi, Hashi and the doctor won't check antibodies again, typically. 
Correct. Even if they're seeing the endocrinologist, they won't check them again, but it is something that if you can check those and trend those down, then yep. that would be helpful for you to see that th you're on the right path. And so it is helpful to reevaluate these things um, and not just check the free T3. It is like, like, like Dr. Charlie was saying, you could have iodine need. It could be a stress need. There are different things that um, you need to look at. Absolutely. So um, let's talk about what we can do. So we just said, if it's low, you know, T4 uh, iodine and then selenium tyrosine, figure out why it's not converting. If you have autoimmune, my suggestion, honestly, is to go watch the full autoimmune video in my membership because autoimmune is not a simple solution. It is multifactorial. I will tell you the two main nutrients that help all autoimmune, but doesn't get to the root cause is turmeric and resveratrol. I like liquid um, versions from Apex called Tumoro and Resvero. Tastes really good. You put it in your refrigerator. Kids can take it. You can take it. It tastes amazing. Now, another thing for uh, for viruses, the one nutrient that I would say is universal is Vervita Immune Armor for me. I Whenever there's viruses, I always check that because it has the lysine. It has the vitamin C. It has selenium. Uh, it has vitamin A has the buckwheat in their echinacea, things like that. Um, and then my next two herbs that I will always check with viruses are olive leaf supreme and cat's claw supreme. Especially those like those like uh like Epstein Barr or Cytomegalo, cat's claw and olive leaf are my go-tos. There's other herbs that will do viruses, right? I mean it's not like they're the only two. They're just the two that I find test the most. Yeah, especially for chronic chronic for sure. You know, there's other ones for flu virus and common cold virus, but that's not what we're talking about. The viruses that will attack your thyroid are not the acute viruses. They're the chronic viruses. Yep. Yep. Um, what else we do? Eat red meat, digest your red meat, right? Um, I will say adrenal cocktails can be really helpful. And honestly, mm -hmm. that's just because salt and potassium are really wasted um, by the adrenals when you're under a lot of stress. Yes. And so if you find yourself hitting that afternoon crash, it wouldn't be a bad thing to look into adrenal cocktails. You can use a pre-made version of it, or you can make it yourself. I will list that in the show notes. Um, I've mentioned those before. I just think we are such a, a dehydrated society. Oh, yeah. that we don't drink enough water. And then when we do, it's like depleted water or it's just not got what it needs. And so electrolytes and, and definitely, uh, you know, those things there, that would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm going to piggyback on that adrenal cocktail uh, my number one herb, Shisandra Supreme, yes. right, it balances cortisol and it helps your liver detox with glutathione, which helps the conversion of thyroid hormone. Uh, and the other thing I'll talk that I think, and, and you can, uh, correct me if you think otherwise is supporting methylation, yeah. right? Methylation creates hormones and it and helps your liver convert and detox. Right. All things your liver needs. It has all the things your liver needs and Inspiracel, Verbita yes. Inspiracel. Um, that is something that I have my entire family on. And it is something that I think that most, and you, were, you, you just texted me telling me about one of your daughters yeah, um, and that she was never usually able to handle methylated bees. Right. Right. So she was not, I mean, I've tried many different forms of methylated B vitamins over the years and she's, and I, she's never been able to tolerate them. She would have a lot of anxiety and, or, um, just really hyperactive if I gave them to her. And nope. so, uh, even at very low doses, I was never giving her anything too much. And, um, 
I finally decided to start. I started, she was low in her B vitamins and I started her on hydroxo B12 and B minus from seeking health. And it did great. She was doing fine on it. Um, but I wanted to see, I had, after she's done a lot of gut work, mind you, she's done a lot of gut work this last year. Yep. And now I started her on Inspiracel, um, very low, probably about like an eighth of capsule, then went to a fourth. And then over the course of a couple of weeks, went to a half. Um, and she is tolerating it well and doing really great with it. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Pyrocell is something that I have found is unlike any other supplement to support methylation. I've looked oh. at other companies. I've looked at other, it's just, I've not seen anything like it. So, and that is Dr. Versendel's genius. Um, I've looked for eight years, eight years. I tried to see if anyone else has anything like it and I have yet to find it. So you are finding the same thing that I'm finding that yeah. is so unique. Um, and that's, you know, supporting methylation in such a way where kids are starting to speak, you know, having from speech delay and putting words together and people are, kids are getting potty trained off it. I mean, when you support methylation, so much magic can happen. It's, it's been pretty, I mean, and I, my youngest was already on a methylation cream. Mm. Uh, but when I started inspire cell, I, I did notice big leaps with her yep. and, and just cognitively and um, just her thought process. And so I think it's an important thing to consider if you have any concerns like that, um, is to, to think about methylation and most like just go back and listen to our methylation podcast. Yep. Um, but basically, even if you don't have a gene, a genetic issue, you are, you could still be not methylating well. And so yep. this is something that most people I think need to consider at one point in time. Absolutely. And so, like I said, methylation builds your hormones, converts your hormones and detoxes your hormones. Uh, and then Inspiracel also has that selenium and tyrosine in it. Uh, so a lot of times I will give that with Regenerzyme thyroid if you need that iodine. Um, and if you're looking for just iodine, you don't want any of um, the thyroid glandular, then I like iodorol. There's a lot of, do you yeah. use any other iodines? I use iodorol. Um, yeah. it, it, it's done really well. I, yeah. I use, I've used body bio selenium. Mm. Um, I think that's great. I do. Um, yeah. I think that you can miss, mix and match different things. You can have them tested. Um, I think overall the regenerates on thyroid, if you're at a place where you feel like you are needing support, that yeah. would be glandular would be where I would start. And, and I usually, when I have patients on it, I'll actually have them do it like every other day, like one every other day or a few times a week. Um, that's one that I'll, I'll, I'll start off real slow, but a lot of times people just need it like every other day or so just like one in the morning. Uh, get that iodine fix, that thyroid, that it has selenium in there. And then people will say, well, what does the, the lithium and rubidium do? Well, mm -hmm. the lithium and rubidium help um, turn down high cortisol. So that's the genius of that. So whenever you look at Vervita, just know there's always a rhyme and reason to their madness. Versendal put so many things in such a, a fascinating combination um, that it makes sense if you really dive into it. But I'm always just blown away by what he's done, what he did and what he left uh, humanity. So, all right. Is there anything else you want to cover on thyroid before we uh, close up? And then next week we can talk about some uh, vegan meat and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some of the ingredients and some of those meats. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think let's just run down and give it an overall view. Look at fluoride, look yeah. at, uh, look at metals, look at gluten dairy could be an issue for some yep. um that casein so that might be something to look at if it's not gluten it could be gluten and dairy i usually suggest gluten and dairy free for six weeks yep. um and then reintroduce one and see how you feel 
of um of course especially if you have Hashimoto's right yes yes adrenals um definitely need to be a consideration um as well and then of course the chronic infection Yep. yep, chronic infection, viral uh, methylation, and one more food I'll throw in food group for Hashi's uh, nightshades. People do really poorly on nightshades uh, when they have autoimmune stuff. But and does that mean they need to stay off of nightshades forever, or is that typically just for a short time? Depends on the person. Okay. okay. Depends on the person. And that is again where you just need to know yourself and know, yes. like, be able to monitor yourself, monitor your symptoms. You could do the at home food sensitivity with the heart rate testing. Um, and I think that's great, but I also just think like, just pay attention to how you feel actually slow down enough to pay attention to how you feel, which a lot of times is the issue. We just don't slow down enough to pay, to pay enough attention to it. I think we should end off with that besides maybe I'm going to say it this time, I'm going to say this is totally meant to be educational. If you want health advice, go to your, uh, health providers. Did I do an okay job? Is that what I'm supposed to say? I think that's pretty good, right? You did great. Yes. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, that is the thyroid for y'all. Uh, we hope you have a great weekend. Uh, we love you all. And we will see you next week uh, on the next one.